Welcome to This Academic Life, Episode 20, Part 2. This podcast is brought to you by local sponsors and listeners like yourself. If you're interested in sponsorship, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. In Part 1, we talked about some aspects of faculty search. In this episode, we will continue our discussion as there are still many items left to discuss. Let's just get started. So many times, especially these days, it's really common, many women and people of color that they are already faculty in some schools, they are approached by other institute that they encourage them to apply for the faculty position, or even if they are postdocs or PhD students close to graduating, they are approached to and they are asked to apply for their openings. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is a good way to increase diversity and make changes, I guess, in the STEM fields? Or what do you think? I think whether it's a good approach or not, I'm not really sure whether how effective that is. But I think it's important that at least we try. I think targeted search may not be a perfect solution, but it's better than not trying at all. That's my (laughs) top of my head sort of impression. If we don't try, I feel like sort of marginalized group, either their voices are being buried and not being heard, or the, the traditional means of getting there has not been presented to them in the first place. So they didn't know how to get there. So, or or accessible, right? So I think doing these quote unquote targeted search is necessary just so that we can at least try. How effective, I'm not sure. I think at the end of the day, even if we had tried and recruited these people, it's still a matter of fitting and a matter of, right? So the match needs to be correct. So I think Kim mentioned earlier before that wherever you go, you have to feel right, right? So either this is close to home and you apply or some other for whatever reason, people are not going to hire you because you are a woman, right? So we all know that. And other people might think that we were all hired because we're women, but no, it doesn't happen like that, right? So our ability or our value in the department have to be valued in order for us to be hired. We have to have our own unique capability or whatever it is, have as a purpose, right? In wherever we are in order for us to be hired. So I think a lot of people, <laughs> especially in STEM, who have not gone through this before, there are a lot of them, the first thing that they say is, oh, she got hired because she's a woman. That is wrong. That is not, if you had gone through like we all did, it's, that doesn't happen like that. We all were hired because we were the right people for the job. Very, very good point. Many, many of my colleagues, they mentioned that they've been told that they got the job because they are 
uh, woman. But as you said, if we are women, we shouldn't go through these rigorous hiring process. They should just say, oh, you look like you could fit in this department. Come, here's the offer. <laughs> but it never happens like that. Yeah. Kim, so how about you? What do you think? So targeted searches, yes. However, I definitely want to talk about the matching that Lucy mentioned. If you do a targeted search and the candidates come, the minority candidates or the faculty candidates of color come to the campus for an interview, then it is very important that nearly everyone that they meet is genuine about them being there. Seriously, I need nearly everyone to be genuine. And I need them to subconsciously know what the needs of the minority candidates are. Those two things are very important. So if you have a targeted search and you don't have these two things, you're gonna be unsuccessful. Don't do 100%. it. <laughs> don't do it because <laughs> ruin it. Right? If you do a targeted search and everyone on the committee understands subconsciously what's needed and everyone agrees that this is how we're going to approach the situation, everyone is in agreement, etc., then you're going to have a successful search in terms of at least attracting the candidates, right? The other thing is when you do a targeted search, you need to contact these fact these candidates right sometimes it's intimidating to apply as a minority candidate for ivy league institution and that we only think we could fit at a historically black college and university but that's not true we can fit in either situation right but if you get a phone call from a search committee and say hey Dr. Lewis, I see you're on the market. We saw your expertise is in condensed matter physics. We actually have a strong condensed matter physics group here. We think your expertise, and notice I'm using expertise. I'm not using, we think you're smart. You'll be a great fit. You seem really nice. No, I'm strictly focused on the candidate skill set, right? We saw you were leading this effort and it does wonders. So now I'm not even thinking about you're calling me because I'm a black female physicist. I'm thinking you really need me to come and help you out, <laughs> right? So yes, yes, I will. I will come and interview. Very, very, very good points. Yes, yes. So talking about these, I guess, targeted searches, as somebody who received these or being approached, what are your suggestions? Should they say yes to all these? So I think it goes back to exactly what I said. It's, it's about how you approach me. If you're right, uh, Lucy and I probably get solicitations all the time. And I have taken a few of them because sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm about to run another search committee. Let me see what they say when they call, right? So just for experience, let me just see what they're going to tell me. And I remember one university call and it was like, to use Panya's word, we have beautiful mountains and, you know, we have skiing. And I'm like, dude, I'm from New Orleans. Like, really? My <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I'm from New Orleans. Didn't you read my resume? I'm from New Orleans. Like, mountains and skiing is not going to be an attractive option for me, right? 
So, but I found that the ones that were most effective for me were the ones that said, so-and-so recommended you. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> so, and then that, and if, especially if that person was my mentor or somebody I admired as a, a scientist and you, you automatically feel obligated to engage the person who's calling you, right? And you start, well, what are you looking for? Blah, 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 you know, because you know the person who they, and so I found that those were the best ones for me, where they said, this person recommended you. And I think those work, but the ones that didn't know anything about me and just was calling because they saw a black face on the website and called and say, hey, I think you should apply. And there was no genuine touch. There was nothing specific about who I was as a person or my accomplishments. I just was like, okay, they just want to check a box, right? Yes. And, and yeah. literally, maybe they messed up. Maybe they didn't know how to approach minority candidates or women. And they, they might not have been unintentional. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, those were the least effective and the most effective targeted people that contacted me. How about you, Lucy? Would you be impressed by mountains? No. Oh, no, you are from New York. Yes, of course not. How about humid places? Yes. <laughs> you know, if we go 10, 15 years back before marriage and kids, I would have said yes to everything because I love meeting new people. I love traveling to different places. That's the reason I was doing the, all those 14 interviews because I just felt like it was fun, you know? I thought, oh boy, I've never been to this city before. Hmm, let me go and check out their airports. You know, that kind of thing. But now, so many attachments. I don't say anything Back. I mostly say thank you for considering me. Unfortunately, I cannot move at this moment. But I think that it's important. The point that you had, everybody at different stage of their career, they have other priorities and we should be true to ourselves. Overall, do you think that the searches should be modified? Should we have new way of conducting these searches? First of all, after pandemic started a lot there had been a lot of zoom interviews i'm not sure how that is already changing comparing to the traditional way of doing it so i think kind of watch out for online or virtual interviews <laughs> you know what to do and what not to do those are kind of important so other than that i don't have a lot of practical uh, suggestions at this point I think for me, in terms of search committees, I think it's important to have a, a diverse group. And I'm, I don't mean in terms of ethnicity. I mean, in terms of rank, in terms of their role in the department, in terms of their philosophy about things. I found that those search committees that I served on that had that depth and breadth in the committee, we picked the best candidate. When I look back about, I wonder what, what did we do different? And it was just that the search committee was 
literally hand selected, like, you know, the, it, it was just well curated is the word I would use. And I don't mean curated like, oh, let's put all the people who like each other together <laughs> or let's put all the people with the same opinion together. It was like, let's bring on this person because I know she has a strong opinion about undergraduate education. Let's bring on this person. And so those made for the best search committees, in my opinion. And so I think if we just consciously, if the chair of the search committee does that, I think it turns out well. And then the second thing, making sure that graduate students and undergraduate students or at least one from each group is a member of the search committee. I always found that they always had the best questions, you know, because sometimes we forget what it's like to be a student and they would ask the candidate a question. We like, dang, that was a great question. Forgot about that. And so I think in previous search committees that I served on at other universities, they didn't have a student representative. But now that we at Howard, you know, often have one, it's really good. I really appreciate it. So I think if we could change the composition of the search committee, I would say definitely include at least the undergrad or graduate student in the search committee. Thank you. Very good suggestion. So what are the do's and don'ts for interviewees don't call me miss don't say miss lewis they assume that because i'm somehow i although i write it in my signature i say it they still assume i'm the administrative assistant and i'm like no i'm the chair of the search committee gotta do your homework right you don't want the first person you're offending being the committee search committee chair <laughs> so that was a good good don't okay any more uh, one i remember this didn't happen to me but it was like a rumor got spread around after a particular candidate came to a interview this person did not treat the office assistant nicely. I think it was more about paperwork for reimbursement or something. But the interaction was just right there, right in front of the department chair office. And everybody saw it. I wouldn't say everybody because I didn't, but many people did. And that just, it doesn't even matter how good just, that person was. It just, yeah, it right there. You gotta have the civil manner, right? It doesn't even matter how good of a scientist you are. You have to be a good person first. Yes, personality matters. Yes, yes, yes. For me actually is, I think show excitement and don't be bored. I personally interviewed a candidate who was almost falling asleep with two of us interviewing him. It, so it wasn't me, it was just another faculty too. And we didn't know what to say and just not being excited about the department. So it's like, well, we didn't ask you or force you to come here. You should have not even applied if you are not excited about the place. And how about some of the do's? Do make sure you select good letters of references and make sure those reference letter writers know that they may be called upon to write a letter and do tell the letter writer why you want to be at that institution. I think that's very important. So often I read letters of recommendation 
that is just a change of the university's name. And it's nothing specific about why this person will fit well into your department. So I think it's important that that is covered by the candidate. Good point. I think one thing is keep the search committee in mind when you're writing your statements, your research, your teaching, and your leadership statement, for example. When I say keep the committee in mind, remember they're gonna be reading tons of applications. So you want to do your very best to stand out. And the way you do that is you coin certain things in your statements, right? So for me, for example, I would name my research lab. I would say the Hybrid Electronics Research Lab or HECL, right? So I would kind of subtly keep saying those acronyms in my statements so that they'll say, oh, is that the young lady who did the hybrid something or another? You know, something that is catchy, right? Or coin different programs that you developed, right? I think that often stands out a lot because after reading 50 applications, you're trying to remember, is this the person from this school? Is it person from, is it University of Michigan or University of Minnesota? You're just all over the place, right? But you often remember something that they said. Oh, that's the young lady who went to Germany to do our PhD or something like you. You remember these very subtle things that stuck out in your mind because it's not something that every candidate is going to have in their statement. So I would say try to think of some things like that that would allow the search committee to remember you. Yes, and it reminds me that I guess cover letter matters. Don't ignore just in rush a cover letter that it has a few sentences in there personalize it for yourself and also for the search yeah i totally agree i was gonna say that oftentimes those research statements tend to be too long no one's gonna read them word for word and even if you put in some colorful pictures it really does not reduce the amount of reading it's just no yeah I, I think having some, you know, keywords that kind of pop up, even bolded or whatever it is, something unique that is different from others would help. Yeah, I think Kim mentioned a good point, but I just wanted to add that don't, don't make it too long, you know, make it concise, obviously. And if you have multiple research topics that you want to highlight, obviously, either consolidate them into maybe a list of three. It doesn't mean that you're really just doing those three, but it's a way to kind of emphasize your main concentration of research rather than kind of spread out all over. It doesn't even have a theme, right? So that's one thing to really look out for. Do you guys have any closing thoughts or anything? On the candidate side, if you're being interviewed or about to put in your application for faculty position, I would say do your homework, obviously, and proofread. Don't make any silly grammar basic mistakes and know your audience. That's really important. And finally, just be natural and be true. Show your true self when you're going through these interviews and just be natural and enjoy the process. I think when you're relaxed and just put your mind at ease, you will be your best. Very good points. 
Can I think from the search side, selecting a diverse committee in terms of their position in the university or in a department and making sure everyone is in sync with the mission of the university, the mission of the department, and that everyone is on the same page about whether it's important to do a targeted search, right? I think if you can do that, participate in that way as a search committee member, I think you'll have a successful group of candidates that either come to campus virtually or in person. And I highly recommend reaching out to all candidates. You know, if you think there's a candidate that fits, I think reaching out won't hurt. But I do think I'm a strong component of there's some extra effort, just as Lucy mentioned, to bring in more women and uh, more uh, minority candidates. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope you found these two episodes useful. Whether you are serving in a faculty search or you are looking for a faculty position in this competitive environment. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Find us at thisacademiclife.org or follow us on Facebook. You can listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Please rate us. We welcome any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Join us next time. For the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.